can we talk about something I did yesterday? Yes. So Mondays are my air quotes day off. Sure. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. But yesterday I really did try to get a lot done around my house because it's about to be that season where like I don't know how much free time I'm going to have. Yeah. So I switched out my closets a few weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago, as one does. Like, I pack up my summer clothes. Oh, okay. I was like, I don't know what that means. Oh, like I packed <laughs> up my summer clothes and brought out my fall clothes, mm-hmm. which look the same as my summer clothes generally. Except but in some a more slightly s- different color. Yes, slightly yeah. different color scheme. And I do have a lot of sweaters sure. for somebody And scarves. Yeah, and too many scarves. I got rid of a lot of scarves. <laughs> okay. But so I really did like a look at my wardrobe and was like, mm, probably don't need this Mercer law school sweatshirt, even though it's <laughs> sentimental. Like sure, I probably yeah. don't need this anymore. So I packed up a bunch of stuff and would you like to know, yes, the Mercer law sweatshirt was sentimental, but I packed up something like gave away something that was weirdly even more sentimental. Would you like to know what it was? I would like to know what it was. I packed up my suit. Your suit. Yes. My black pantsuit. Your Hillary Clinton pantsuit. Yeah, suit. my plant pantsuit that I wore to job interviews. Oh my! Where I like got the and where I wore, I wore it to my Florida bar interview. Mm-hmm. Look, I got rid of my khaki pantsuit a long time ago. The <laughs> picturing you in a pantsuit is so funny because that is so not your aesthetic. So and I love it. I graduated from the khaki pantsuit, uh-huh. which was my first suit into a black college, into a black pantsuit, which felt way more legit, mm-hmm. both from Ann Taylor Loft. Shout out to Ann Taylor Loft. Very HRC. <laughs> um, but my black pantsuit was what I wore not only to job interviews, um, which one of my favorite like stories about myself, like if I ever want to explain to people what kind of person I am, mm-hmm. I showed up at Southern Progress, which is the like Southern Living, Coastal Living. Mm-hmm. It's where I interviewed for an internship right. when I was, I guess, 21. And I showed up in my khaki pantsuit and brown heels. Good. And every other girl there, I kid you not, was in a sundress, uh-huh. maybe with a blazer. Yeah. And I was the only person with like my journalism portfolio, like a briefcase, like my briefcase and my khaki pantsuit. And I think that's like perfectly encapsulates who I was at 21 for sure. I love that a lot. So khaki pantsuit, not my favorite thing, but black pantsuit felt like I'd really made it. And Mm -hmm. it's what I wore to interview for the Florida bar. And then it's what I wore when I interviewed Florida Supreme Court justices, et cetera, what I wore to to the Capitol for session. Mm -hmm. And... That is such a lifetime ago. Yeah. But it wasn't. Right. But I mean, it, it was. But it was. But it wasn't. And I, like, I literally, <laughs> I've held onto that suit, like, as a backup plan. Right. Like, for the day that this <laughs> in case, folds. In case this doesn't pan out. Yeah. Like, I've held onto that pantsuit, and only yesterday did I realize, even if, knock on all the wood, <laughs> this doesn't work out, I'd have to buy a new suit. Definitely. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, it's 2018. Suits don't stay in style they do not i no. they most assuredly do not like every five years you need a new suit that khaki pantsuit i'm pretty sure had boot cut bottoms Ooh, so mama <laughs> no thank you so i i donated my suit yesterday Welcome to episode 195 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. 
My name is Chris Jensen, and I am brimming with emotion. And I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. Before we begin, I would like to remind our audience that Election Day is upon us. Like? It is next week. Yeah. Um, and so it's very important that you exercise your civic right and duty to vote. Please do so with a nuanced and well-researched mind. Yes. Would be my request. And and mine. I will <laughs> echo that. Um, Research your candidates. That's right. And there are all kinds of websites, unbiased, unbiased websites you can go to where you can type in your zip code and figure out what your ballot says. And the reason I say that is because so often we go ready to vote for maybe senators, representatives, uh -huh. governors. Oh man, your local govern government is so much more important say. than your representation at the federal level. Really think about your state reps. Really, really. Really think about uh, the amendments that are coming mm -hmm. your way. Florida in particular has a lot of bad. I was about to say crazy <laughs> bundled florida did this thing where they bundled a that's lot of that's what jordan said it's the bundling things. it's the bundling Mistakes and so like made. <laughs> there's one thing that's like i support that but then there are 10 things attached to it that are terrible yeah so read carefully although offshore drilling and vaping both being banned i'm okay with jordan that just died laughing at that though he was like why are these two things together <laughs> and why is vaping yeah. going in the constitution well that's what yeah jordan just he got no patience. No. Nope. <laughs> got no patience for this. Um, uh, it's funny. Yeah. So another thing too, we taught a constitution class, which we chose not to make virtually available yep. just because tech stuff. Um, but the book that Jordan taught that class based on is called How to Be an American. It's excellent. Mm. A really great visual guide. It's visually interesting, but it's also really well done. Jordan mm -hmm. thought it was a great resource. So if you're a teacher or a regular old human citizen, uh, How to Be an American, I think would be a great That sounds like book. a fantastic rec. So yeah. get out there November 6th. Hooray. I also love to vote and no one will take that joy from me. I have my voted by mail sticker. Oh, good. Um, I go on the day of. I know like I get Jordan it. already early voted, but I just love the feel. I just and get I, so excited. I know early voting's the best. I really like being able to do it in the privacy of my own home so I can research while I'm doing it. Yeah. I don't know. I like that. Yeah. And I know a lot of people are skeptical of vote by mail, but it's increasingly popular. Yeah, for sure. So, but I like I to like get it. out of my home and play with I get my it. neighbors. That's, it's just that's a feeling. Special. I get that. I also, get that. Thomasville does this thing where on election night we have chicken perlo dinner. I don't even know what that is. What? Oh my gosh, neither did Olivia. It's chicken and rice, but made outside. Oh, okay. I'm not actually from the South. I know that, but, like, <laughs> but I feel like we've talked about this before. I, I feel like we have because the name sounds familiar. Yeah, because it's spelled P I L A U, but it's perlo. What? <laughs> chicken perlo. Sure. <laughs> fine it's chicken and rice cooked outside i don't even like chicken and rice but i love chicken perlo you know what i weirdly love the panera chicken and wild rice <laughs> cream of wild rice soup anyway that's panera. neither here nor there um so anyway it's super fun on election night can we talk about one more thing before yes. we keep going i know this is a big episode but i wanted to just say thank you because we announced our reader retreat and it sold out <laughs> in an hour <laughs> three three hours it was bananas yeah we were planning to like Announce it here, look, announce it in other places, sneak, and did not need to. Well, I was going to say, too, just a sneak peek behind the scenes. Um, having ideas and putting things out there is actually really difficult. So, like, we had planned, and you and I, I think, had even made multiple announcements on the yeah, podcast. That like we were going thing, to announce, going to announce. Yeah, going to announce October 1st. And then when you partner with other businesses, like, 
you really have to kind of work alongside them. And so we love Carol at the Paxton. Their um, reservation software mm-hmm. was down. So we kept putting it off, kept putting it off. Because I really wanted, as an introvert, people to be able to just click. click. I didn't want them to have to pick up a phone. I mm-hmm. wanted them to be able to just click and buy and make their reservations. Yeah. And then as we watched the days, like, just keep going. And October felt early, but at the same time, not really. We wanted people to be able to buy airplane tickets. Mm-hmm. We know Thomasville is hard to get to. Yeah. So we were like, let's just go ahead. And we'll, we just picked, I think, a Friday. And I contacted Carol, and I was like, hey, we're going to go live today. Um, hope that's okay. And fully anticipating you and I would need to make an announcement. Right. People would have difficulty because of the phones. Nope. Nope. Not, not what happened. Not what happened at all. So yeah, we sold out in three hours and decided to do another one. Yeah. Because why Because why, why not? not? So we're gonna do one in June and July and we're really excited. I would also like to say we got a couple of comments and I think we've gotten some Instagram um, posts because you and I talk about the weather mm-hmm. all the time. Why aren't we doing this in the spring or in the fall? Mm-hmm. Why are we doing it in the hottest right, time? Right, in year? the summer. Here's a couple of example or here's a couple of reasons for you. First of one, all one, we want you to suffer with us. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Misery loves company. <laughs> Two, reading is a mostly indoor activity. We'll yeah. be fine. And three, and really the reason, is because, again, we're partnering with another business. So for the Paxton, this boosts their business. Like you're mm-hmm. helping another small business in our community right. during a slower time of year. Right. So spring and fall are beautiful in Thomasville. And so... That, people are here yeah, and that, the Paxton is booked. The Paxton is booked and rates are way higher. Yeah. So to keep the retreat fairly affordable... Um, and to kind of be able to utilize the Paxton because you want to be able to stay at the Paxton if you're yeah, coming. You don't want you to have really this do. at like the Holiday Inn. No offense to the Holiday Inn. Uh, so, so I Which just was straight booked after Hurricane Michael. That's right. All, all of our local hotels. So we wanted you to get the full Thomasville experience. And yeah, it's going to be June and July, but everybody will be fine. And this helps it be more affordable and helps support another small business in town during a slower season. So that's the reason. Never doubt that there are reasons for why we do what we do. Providence. <laughs> so. Um, it is the end of the month, and yeah. so we are here for a reading recap. Um, you read a lot of books this month. I didn't realize I had, um, because it was such a weird month. Yeah. October is strange. Yeah. Um, and we can get to that. But here's what I'm going to do, because okay. you have a lot of books. Okay. Um, I'm going to hold you to two minutes. All right. Here we go. So we're going to start with The Winters, which we've already talked about. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about this one too much, except to say... If you love a thriller suspense with maybe an unreliable narrator or a questionable narrator, Mm -hmm. The Winters is for you, whether or not you've read its source material, which is clearly and blatantly blatantly Rebecca. Rebecca. Um, So The Winters is by Lisa Gabriel. It came out this month. I love this book. I don't know if I benefited from never having read Rebecca. I can't speak to that. Um, I didn't read Rebecca until after. Mm -hmm. So... I would just say go into it like it's just a thriller. And if you are a fan of Rebecca, I'd love to hear back from you and see what you thought after reading kind of, I think it kind of corrects maybe. And I think that's so interesting. Yeah, some things that were made. One, just I don't understand why the publisher has not sold this or advertised this as a Rebecca retelling. Right. Because it is so obvious. Right. Now she adds a couple of characters or one in particular character that I think is really striking and a really smart decision. But it is, I mean, the same names, mm-hmm. the same, I mean, the same mm-hmm. format. So I'm interested with how the publisher 
got away with that and or why you wouldn't use that as a marketing tool. Right, because that's a beloved novel that a lot of people so many people talk like. about constantly. Uh, yeah, so I loved The Winters way more than I loved Rebecca. And it is not an 18th century novel, <laughs> as I learned. As we were corrected. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of Clarissa <laughs> by Samuel Richardson. <laughs> Um, but the next thing that you read this month was, in fact, the source material, Rebecca. Yeah, which I would like to say, we did a Love It or Loathe It episode yep. all can, about this. You can listen to that a couple episodes back. Um, I would like to say, on Love It or Loathe It, I only loathe or say I loathe books if like I truly hate right. them. Because it is a binary choice. Yes. Love or loathe. Right. Sometimes we'll like be or. obnoxious and pick or. Rebecca is one of those that I loved only because I appreciate its value as a source. Right. So as an inspiration right. to the Gillian Flynn's of the world. Right. You can see, now that I've read Rebecca. It's historically important. Yes. You can see how Daphne du Maurier had an impact mm -hmm. on the many of the authors I love. Also, fun fact, except really just fact everyone but me probably knew, she wrote The Birds, which I did not realize. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, so we're talking about somebody who's like Agatha Christie mm -hmm. level of genius mm -hmm. when it comes to suspense and thriller um, books and short stories. I did not like Rebecca. Um, again, I loved it for its value, mm -hmm. and I might have loved it more if Had I hadn't read. Had you not just read The Winters. Yeah, and we've talked about that at length. So, um, and that's an unfortunate circumstance, it's just, right? Look, and if I could turn, if I could, as Cher said, turn back time, <laughs> oh, how I would, because this made me feel so dumb. Um, I hate that, I hate that this happened to my personal reading experience of yeah. Rebecca, um, but it is what it is. Um, I like Rebecca, again, for what it stands for, for what it d did to that genre, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't go back and reread it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. My book club agreed with me, which I was okay. surprised That's by. great. Yeah. It, well, it was not great. Always... No, well, it was great only because I had only heard from people who loved Rebecca. Mm -hmm. So it was nice to know, because I really did think I've just ruined it by reading The Winters. And it was nice to know, no, some people, like we all appreciate mm -hmm. it, but we didn't love it. Yeah. And I think there was a different literary aesthetic for a different time. Yes. Right? And, and we no longer live in that time. And sometimes yeah. it's important to read older things to appreciate them. Yeah. But we don't have to like them according to our current taste. Yeah. And we shouldn't feel bad for not, not actually enjoying something as long as we can step back and aesthetically appreciate it. Yeah. I, I think. I, and I think I was really worried that I no longer had the brain for classics. Do you know what I mean? I do know what like, you mean. Like I had such trouble getting into the rhythm of Rebecca that I started to panic that like yeah. I've let my brain go to waste. Well like I can do anything pre-1500 <laughs> but anything between 1500 and 1945 I'm like I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. But so then I, I get reminded it. myself like I've read Pride and Prejudice fairly recently like it's fine. Yeah. This just wasn't for me. Yeah, and that happens. Um, let's move on to something completely different, um, Southern Lady Code. This is by Helen Ellis, who you'll remember, I loved her short story collection called American Housewife. Yeah, 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 so yeah. So yeah. good, so clever, so funny. So this is her new essay collection. It does not come out until the spring. I'm sorry, but read American Housewife in the meantime. Yeah, get ready. Um, Southern Lady Code was my hurricane read. I think we all had one. Mm -hmm. uh, I picked it because I could not focus on anything. Correct. And so I really appreciated an short and to the point essay collection, kind of tongue in cheek about Southern culture, particularly Southern lady culture. Mm -hmm. um, I think Helen Ellis 
is a genius. If you listened to me wax on about Bethann Fennelly's heating and cooling, mm-hmm. this is what we're talking about. Like Southern Lady Code is in that same vein gotcha. where it's these Southern female writers who are taking the culture that raised them and questioning it, challenging it, also appreciating it. It, it. Helen Ellis now lives in New York, so it's fascinating to kind of see that. I want to come back to this theme for this week's Unpopular Opinions. Okay. Or next week, I suppose. No, this week, November yeah. 1st. So if you're a $5 Nut Patreon supporter, we're going to talk about Southernness oh, good. this week because I, I have wait. some thoughts. I, I got them too. I got all kinds. Uh, but Southern Lady Code, I think, is going to be really enjoyed even if you are not a southerner because helen has lived in new york long enough where i think she can look at southern culture mm-hmm. with kind of an um an unfiltered lens mm-hmm. um but she is so snarky and smart and quick mm-hmm. like this is the kind of person who i think i would want to be friends with but i don't know if i could handle it i get it you know what i mean i do like i think she's almost too good for me like <laughs> like like and i just don't know i think i would just sit in awe but also just be really quiet because i don't want her to like yeah. You know, like yeah. she's quick and quippy. I, I think you're really going to like this book. doesn't come out until spring. Read Sorry. American Housewife. Next up is If I'm Being Honest. This was a YA book that, again, I picked up in the middle of the hurricane. Again, because I couldn't focus on anything. Also, downside to Southern Lady Code, it's fairly short, so mm-hmm. I finished it real fast. Real fast. <laughs> so I had to have something else. Interesting premise of this fairly... Uh, typical young adult book. Mm -hmm. It's loosely based on The Taming of the Shrew. Okay. And I did like that. Shakespeare that constant well. Yes. And you definitely see shadows of 10 Things I Hate About You, Mm -hmm. um, but also kind of taking Taming of the Shrew and questioning the taming of the shrew. It needs that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I appreciated that. Um, and perhaps that was what kept me reading. There were a couple of times with this one where I was like, uh, I don't know, this might be too YA, mm-hmm. YA for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I loved this unique look at Shakespeare, which is only kind of quietly woven throughout the right. novel. Um, but it's got this protagonist who's kind of a pill and she is learning how what the difference is between taming herself, for lack of a better term, and then becoming a better person okay. and where mm. the line is drawn That's um, what that looks and, like. And important. Yes. And so important to think about. And I'd love for people to be thinking about it in high school and Absolutely. not as adults. Like, yes. <laughs> look, I'd love yes. for people to, to experience that growth as teenagers, which yeah. is I think when we're supposed to be asking those questions. I feel like I started asking those questions really when I was like 20, which is still yeah. like... I count it. I think, yeah. I think college and high school. Because yeah. col- especially if you're like us and you kind of sort of go away for college, mm-hmm. like you're supposed to experience some of this yeah. outside. Um, mm. But it's as much Taming of the Shrew as Mean Girls is Julius Caesar. Yes. Gotcha. Very loose. Yeah. Um, it do- Again, I'm sorry. It doesn't come out until spring, but I think you can wait on this one anyway. Like this isn't, this doesn't need to be like at the top of your reading list, but I actually think this is a really good book for young adult, young, like younger than me, yeah. younger than I am. Like, 20s. Like people this book was probably actually written for. Gotcha. And then marketed to teens. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Um, so I I liked it. I didn't love it, but I totally think that's because I'm 32. Right. It's fine. Um, let's talk about the editor. Guys, I wanted to love this book so bad. But I liked it. Okay. So it's written by oh, his mind, Stephen Crowley. 
it almost just left my brain. He wrote Lily and the Octopus, which I did oh, not read, but yeah, do you remember yeah, uh-huh. it? I feel like it had a really it striking did. cover, um, which I think people loved. Yeah. I did not read it, um, but my rep really liked it. I think uh, Modern Mrs. Darcy blog might have recommended it. Um, so I was really looking forward to this one. Here's why. The premise of this one is so fun. It, is, it takes place in 1990s New York about a first-time kind of debut novelist mm-hmm. who his book has been discovered, and his book is about his kind of dysfunctional upbringing and maybe his relationship with his mom. Mm-hmm. But his editor is Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis. Oh, my. Okay. Very clever because she premise. actually was a book editor. Right. Um, here's the problem when you add Jackie Kennedy as one of your characters. She's going to take over? She, yeah. yeah. Her, the portions of the book that talk about her and that are kind of loosely based in historic narrative and fact are fascinating and fun. I mean, because who wouldn't want to imagine Jackie Kennedy swimming in her, I don't know. Champagne jacuzzi. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So like there are these images of her that you feel like, oh, this feels so real and fun. Like he's done such a good job Mm -hmm. of cultivating 1990s Jackie Kennedy Onassis. The problem is half the novel, of course, is about the actual protagonist, right. this young gay writer who's kind of working through his relationship with his mom, working through his love relationship, his love life. I found... And his story just gets lost? I think so. Yeah. Like, I found his story to be less compelling. I liked um, kind of the narrative about him becoming a writer and, and what the editing process looks like and him having to reconfigure his stories. Mm. Um, That's important. It is important. Yeah. And, and that was fun to see, I didn't like, as he's kind of rewriting and working on rewrites of his novel, he has to go back and visit his mom. And I didn't, the mother-son relationship just fell flat for me. And I'm always in search of those. Yes, and this is one, for sure. Okay. Um, but that that portion of the novel, I think Jackie Kennedy, she can't help it. I yeah. think she just yeah. overshadows it. Which is ironic, given what the book is yeah. about. <laughs> Yes, so mm, ironic. I'm sorry. Um, that being said, I have a feeling book clubs are going to love this. Mm-hmm. And I I think I just had really high expectations right. for this one. So I want to preface, when I say I liked it, didn't love it, I think that's how I approached the book. How we approach books often affects our reading. 100%. <laughs> so I think go into this with the right frame of mind, mm-hmm. that this is just a delightful little book, uh, kind of along the lines of Be Frank With Me or mm-hmm. even The Rosie Project. Uh-huh. Um, so enjoyable I just thought Jackie Kennedy's storyline wound up um, being the most compelling part. And I don't think that was the intention. Right. Um, So this is going to be hard. You have two minutes to talk about Unsheltered. Okay. I won't take too long, except Unsheltered has gotten mixed reviews. And I want to say I understand why. Okay. Super long, sweeping. The chapters are so long. And that mm, that really matters. It's hard. Oh, it was hard. But I think we need books like this to remind us that we don't just need to breeze through or binge something, Mm -hmm. that we need to actually chew on something and think about something. I love that this book took place in like 2015, like pre-2016 election, Mm -hmm. um, kind of leading up to the 2016 Mm -hmm. election, and then flashback to the 1870s when Darwin, Mm -hmm. like his teachings have come on the scene. I loved that storyline about this science teacher who's trying in this kind of utopian community to teach his students and to be to be mindful of this new theory that has come about, right. which he finds to be super factual and still, interestingly enough, aligned with his faith system. It's fascinating to look back at 1870s. Yeah, that's so interesting. And see how they kind of kind of worked through things yeah. even differently than we do now. But Barbara Kingsolver really has set this up to show 
the 1870s, people were kind of at a crisis post Civil War. Right. Um, and then a lot we, going on. yeah, and then we also have a lot going on. And so, I, you know, the chapters were long. This is long and sweeping. Also, lots of white people. Yeah. Like it's predominantly a white. It feels like a white problems book. Yeah. However, a reader did remind me gently that there are some really lovely, compelling um, people of color in this book. There's this um, neighbor in the modern uh, setting who is who winds up being. A, a delightful character. His name's Jorge, and he is almost an unspoke, unsung hero of this book. Um, so I don't want to do Barbara King Solver a total disservice. I just felt like, oh, this is a book about white people struggling right. with. And you did really like this book. Yeah, I loved <laughs> it. Like I really did love it. You gave it five stars. I, it's going to be one of my favorites of the year because of the way it made me think. Mm. Um, it was beautifully written, um, which I adore. But it was primarily character driven, not uh -huh. plot driven. Um, but it just made me think a lot about our current culture and our current climate and what we're doing now and how it will affect the future, which I think Barbara King Solver is really good at. So yeah. I loved it. I mean, I say all those things that I didn't like about it because I think this is not for every reader. Sure. Um, but for me personally, I loved it. I'm glad it took me a week to mm -hmm. read it. I'm, I'm grateful for it. Excellent. Um, very, very different kind of book. Um, I'll be there for you. After Unsheltered, I needed something totally different. Palette cleanser. So literally immediately, I think I finished Unsheltered, pondered it for like 30 minutes alone in my house, and then moved on to I'll be there for you, <laughs> which is exactly what it sounds like. It is an oral history of friends. It reminds me last fall, I really binged and enjoyed, um, I'll have what she's having uh -huh. that book about Nora Ephron, which is fantastic. If you haven't read it, I'll be there for you. Does the same type of thing. Um, just about friends. I loved this book. Thoroughly enjoyable, perfect gift for your friend's obsessed friend. Um, so I think it's excellent. I do think it's heavy on the backstory of kind of the actors and their pay. Like there's a lot of talk about their pay, and which I did find interesting. Yeah. But I didn't get as much maybe stories about how plot lines were chosen. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to know like the right. backstory for, from some, for some episodes in particular. And I didn't maybe get a ton of that, but otherwise just really enjoyable and a great look at why friends still matters and is still relevant and why it's not relevant right. and what maybe now would look different about it. So anyway, really liked it. Thought it was really fun. That's really great. Um, the new Leanne Moriarty is your next one. Um, Nine Perfect Strangers. Okay. I think this is another one that's going to get mixed reviews, mixed reviews, but I loved it. So I hated Truly Madly Guilty. Mm -hmm. I finished it. Shouldn't have. Like, it was just mm, not, worth, not worth it to me. Um, my favorite Leanne Moriarty in order are What Alice Forgot, My Husband's Secret, and Big Little Lies. Like, I love those. The others are fine. Mm -hmm. um, this is going to go up there. I think I'll, it'll be Big Little Lies and then Nine Perfect Strangers. Nice. Um, because I, this again, yes, there's a plot and there's a thorough, what is it? A, a, a through line. A through line. But it's about these nine perfect strangers, these nine very quirky people mm -hmm. who are all kind of attending this health resort, mm -hmm. but like this very extreme 10 day, like there's five days of silence, there's 48 hour fasting, mm -hmm. like really intense kind of health resort spa thing led by this woman who I kept picturing as, um, who's the woman who plays uh, House of Cards? Robin Wright? Yes. She just seems like Robin Wright to me. Ooh. Like it, I just kept picturing her as the leader, as Masha, this kind of Russian woman who is leading this retreat. Um, it is, I think, so quirky and weird and fun because you've got like this 
um, romance writer, this family of three who are overcoming the loss of their son and brother, uh, this old football, like ex-football player. Like you've got these nine very weird different people all coming to this retreat for different reasons. The retreat takes an almost comedic but darkly comedic turn. It is so fun, so weird. Uh, I liked it a lot um, and I'm so relieved because Truly Madly Guilty was not my favorite. Mm. Um, so I think good news for Liam Moriarty fans. I think people will really enjoy this one. It is quirky and strange but for me in all the best possible ways that's I thought it great was super fun um i'm really intrigued by the title of this one to night owl from dogfish okay this is a children's chapter book that comes out in the spring uh-huh. but it's written by holly sloan i want to say her name is she wrote another kids book that i really liked but co-written with meg Wolitzer. oh fun right okay okay this book is so fun. It's written um, just as kind of letters and emails back and forth between these two girls whose dads have met and fallen in love. And these kids are supposed to attend camp together to become like sisters. Okay. To meet for the first time. So like... Very parent trap. I was going to say inverse parent trap. This is extreme <laughs> parent... It is, which immediately just filled me with such nostalgia. Right. The two girls at the heart of the novel are delightful, fun, quirky. One is super outdoorsy, mm-hmm. tomboy, risk taker. One, you know, constantly is using her inhaler and is mm-hmm. super nerdy and mm-hmm. loves to write um, and has all these food allergies. Like, it just feels like Parent Trap, but moved to mm-hmm. 2018. Like, it feels very modern, very up-to-date. Um, if you liked Amy Popel's Limelight, which I recommended earlier this year, this book also has um, some... Some of that vibe underneath. We've got a very quirky grandmother character who becomes a Broadway star. It is delightful and fun. All about these two girls who, you know, their parents have fallen in love and now they have to learn to love each other. Mm. And I liked it because some chapter books, kids chapter books in particular, I feel like we're always reading about orphans and we're reading about death Mm -hmm. and we're reading about tragedy and look, I'm glad. Like, kids can handle that. Yeah. Like, they can. Yeah. But also, we occasionally just need a fun book. Here's your fun good. children's chapter book. And it, I'm sorry, it doesn't come out until the spring. Ugh. But it is so good. And you know what? Great for um, great for grown-ups, too. Like, I flew through this one. I just thought it gave me all those feelings about seeing uh, Parent Trap for the first time, mm-hmm. the original, and the Lindsay Lohan mm-hmm. remake. Like, I think people my age are just going to think this is so fun. That's great. Yeah, it's really good. And then finally, The Dreamers. I won't talk about this one long because I I think I'm going to finish it before the month is out, but I'm not done yet. You're going to love this book. Mm. This is by Karen Thompson Walker. She wrote The Age of Miracles. Yes. Which I adored in my pre-bookshelf life. Like I thought that book was excellent. This book is so good so far. I don't know where she's taking me, but I trust her completely. Mm-hmm. So... This small little college town in California, all of a sudden the college students um, start falling into deep sleeps. And um, I think at this point in the book, maybe two or three of them have died. Okay. But the rest are just in this, like they have been asleep for days. And their eyes are moving underneath as if they're dreaming. But we don't know what they're dreaming about. We don't know if this is a psychiatric, you know, hysteria. Okay. Um, or if it's a an environmental thing uh-huh. or if it's a contagious thing uh-huh. and we're watching how the community and the families in the community and the college students like are reacting to this it is like there's this undercurrent of dread but you're also wondering what's going on like why, why is this happening um 
I can't wait. This book doesn't come out until January. So read Age of Miracles in the meantime uh -huh. because that book is so good. I'll let you borrow this one after yeah, I'm done because you're going to That sounds to. really it's great. It's really good. Okay, cool. Um, so that's it. Did I do it? You did it. We did it. We At, at the 31 minute mark. <laughs> yes. So in 21 minutes, you went through Whew. all 10 books. 10 books. Good work. Thank you. Porch is a production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. It's produced by me, Annie Jones, and Chris Jensen, and edited by Chris Jensen. If you're interested in picking up any of the books we've talked about on today's episode, you can do so at bookshelfthomasville.com forward slash shop. Thank you, as always, to Forlorn Strangers for the use of our theme music. It's called Bottom of the Barrel from their album, Forlorn Strangers. Learn more at forlornstrangers.com. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch on Patreon and gain access to exclusive bonus content, check us out on patreon.com slash fromthefrontporch, a new episode of Unpopular Opinions this week. You can also check out our website at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com for some new pictures of us that were just put up there yeah. last week. Um, we've also got a full back catalog of our show with detailed show notes and links to further reading. This week in the bookshop, a funny thing happened. On Saturday... Um we have some regulars who come for story time, but what cracked me up was I was standing talking to a couple of parents who come, like they're friends of mine, like they come mm -hmm. every week, and we're all standing there talking, and then we're, we see their little boy, who I think is two, um, kind of toddling around with a truffle in his hand, and he's just helped himself. Like he's gone to the chocolate <laughs> counter and opened, opened the case oh, and no. pulled out a truffle, but it made us all, like, it made us all die laughing. The parents were super gracious about it. They bought the truffle, but I couldn't stop laughing. And also then I went home and I was like, I do kind of love that like these kids have been coming to Storytime for so long that they just think like, this place is ours. Like, yeah, this is it. Which, which it is, like it does. The bookshelf totally belongs to its community, but it was hilarious to see it play out in such a blatant way. Like I'm just gonna help myself to a truffle. Yep. It's fine. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>